Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in our truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning, Happy New Year, and welcome to Zero Today. I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, knowledge, empowerment, and liberation, here to promote a knowledge that is engaging and transforming. And as always, every time we get on the air, we're here to help empower you, our listeners, to knowing and impacting the world around you. That's what we are called to do. That's what we try to do every time we're here and we're excited welcome to 2016 it is a new year (laughs) it's a leap year four years ago i don't know i'm just saying four years ago (laughs) it's a leap year it's a presidential election year it's um it's a good day it's a good year i'm looking forward to 2016 and I hope you're looking forward to it. I hope you had a great uh, way to bring in the new year. I did by uh, preaching at a watch night service. And I hadn't done that in I don't know how many years. And so I was glad to be able to do that for a friend of mine. And glad to wake up on this side again in 2016. There's a lot of, lot of stuff going on in 2015. But yet we are alive and are we yet alive and see each other's face or hear each other's voices via the radio and internet and all that other stuff. <laughs> we give praise and thanks to God, our father for that. Um, yeah, before we go any further, um, I, I don't really have a specific topic. Uh, I mean, it's just welcome to 2016. It's just wondering what is in store. Kind of recall some of the, the headlines that happened just in the week. Just in this, <laughs> we're we're not even a full week in, and there's a lot that's already been going on. So we'll be talking about some of that stuff in the church, church news, and of course there's a uh, things that w- that happened before uh, 2015 ended that I wasn't able to discuss because uh, you know I took a little holiday break. So we're gonna go back and talk about some of those things also. Um, so you know. If we sound like we'll be rambling, we may be rambling because, again, nothing specific, nothing direct. You know, we're just going to be, you know, probably bouncing all over the place, which is good sometimes because, hey, that's how ADHD people work. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I'm really serious, but I'm kidding. Anyway, so um, before we go any further, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for allowing us to be able to do this broadcast. Now let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be found acceptable in your sight, God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Um, it's the new year. So I yeah, I uh, I I have been lazy. I'm not gonna say I have not been lazy. I have been enjoying the moments of holiday break. And I remember as a when I was teaching, you know, I, I really enjoyed that. 
uh, that time because uh, I go up to Chicago for Midwest, the Midwest Band and Orchestra Clinic, and I had fun there with colleagues. And then I come home and have a little time just to rest. But uh, since I've been in ministry, um, I have not been traveling as much um, for the holidays. And I'm glad I didn't go anywhere this this year. And I'm kind of glad because, you know, I ain't going to lie. Christmas did not feel like Christmas. New Year's didn't feel like New Year's. I mean, it was warm. It was at Christmas Day. It was rainy. We had a thunderstorm. We had tornadoes touched down here in the state of Mississippi. And um, we had dozens of persons uh, lose their lives because of those storms in Texas, here in Mississippi, I believe other places in Alabama and Tennessee, if I'm correct. I, yeah. uh, so we were, we were, you know, it didn't feel like the holiday. I, I was a bit of a Scrooge, I guess you can say, kind of like in that bar humbug. Um, but I was still able to be a blessing to some people. Um, I, I, I did something for our members who were uh, home, you know, unable to come, come to church, did something for them, and did something for some family. Uh, and I didn't get around to getting enough things done like I intended. So some of my some of my ne- nephews and nieces and godkids, they're going to have to get stuff later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I just I wasn't able to do like I wanted to do. And um, my members did well to me. They, I, I feel it, you know, uh, my members, my my my. My my congregation, they 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 make me feel part of the family, knowing that I'm single. So you know, sometimes they they uh, allow me to come over and and eat, and I never turn down food. I I, I don't turn down food, <laughs> but uh, they they just express their love and gratitude for me towards me for holiday, and I appreciate it. I appreciate every gift and every um every plate. Because <laughs> that's mostly what I got. <laughs> oh, Lord. I, I don't know how many pounds I put on on the holidays, but um, uh, a good thing I have a wonderful gym membership and a wonderful personal trainer who is going to burn those pounds off. <laughs> yeah. Um, today, um, today being the first Wednesday of the year, um, today is my goddaughter's uh, Kiara is her 22nd birthday. She is 22 years old today. She'll be graduating from college. And I'm just like, wow, come on, man. Where'd the time go? Can't you go back just to being a baby? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm excited. So happy birthday to you, my beautiful, beautiful Kiki. I love you. I know you're listening, so appreciate that. And um, yeah, you'll get your give later. <laughs> What else? What else going? Oh, it's 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 a wonderful day, wonderful day. Um, um, we we have a busy month and a busy busy year, as in the African Methodist Episcopal Church. Uh, this year, 2016, we will be observing the 200th anniversary of our uh, incorporation as a denomination. In 1816, um, Bishop uh, Reverend Riley. Uh, Richard Allen and others assembled together in the city of Philadelphia and held the first general conference of the African Methodist Episcopal Church. After many struggles, uh, many lawsuits, court battles, they were able to function as a free, independent black denomination. And uh, so we'll be celebrating that year round and biggest celebration of that biggest part of that celebration is the uh unveiling and release of the Richard Allen postal stamp. And so uh it's a great commemoration of his life and his legacy and I'm just honored to have been able to uh, to be a part of his legacy. Um him and African Methodism across the world have benefited uh those who benefited from what he did far back in 18 I mean 1787 and um and 1816 um, so we're just excited about that um today is the opening of our church growth and evangelism uh conference in Memphis Tennessee and if you're in the Memphis area I encourage you to go by uh we're focusing on black lives matter and we uh, have some very very great 
distinguished scholars and presenters and speakers uh, for this event that goes on to Friday. Uh, from today until Friday, you have the opportunity to learn not just new techniques, not necessarily new techniques of church growth or evangelism, but uh, means of empowering your your people, your congregation, especially if you're a black congregation, uh, predominantly African-American congregation. How can you empower your members to know their lives, let their lives matter, their communities to know that their lives matter? That's what it's about. You know, it's not a slogan. It's an actualization. And that's what they're uh, in hoping to do at the Church Grove Conference. So if you're in the Memphis area, come by. We're at the Hilton Hotel, uh, not far from the airport in in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, and I, I always loved that hotel. I remember the first time I went there, man, to see the circular. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> but um, it's a wonderful thing. So let's get into some headlines. Like I said, I um, really didn't have much to talk about. But there's always plenty to talk about. It's the first of the year, and already somebody's trying to rip off the church. Uh, there's, I know, I know, I know. There's this pastor um, in upper, on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. I can't think of. Uh, hold on. I just had this article. Let me pull it up. Just a second. Oh, yeah, here it is. If you go to Pimp, Pimp Preacher, Church Folk Revolution, they got this story on, and you'll probably also uh, find it on several other outlets. I know um, uh, the Christian Post reported it also. But uh, Daniel Iampaglia, I think that's how you may pronounce it. I don't know. Anyway, he's the pastor of uh, the Rock Church in uh, Manhattan's Upper East Side, and he was caught on hidden surveillance camera stealing money from the offering plate. Can you believe that? I mean, yeah. Stealing money. So his members have been the members of Rock Church, and it's not a lot of them. It's not a lot of them at all. But the members have been suspecting that their pastor was, you know, kind of getting his own, you know, off the top, skimming off the top of the offering. And so they decided to, you know, investigate. They installed the security camera, and they caught their pastor, their pastor, stealing from their donation. And so uh pastor was charged with petty larceny and was released, and he's still preaching at the church, but the members, uh, uh, one member and others have filed to have him removed as the pastor. Now, you know, I I've never understood this concept of stealing from the offering plate. Uh I I've been blessed that every ministry that I've served in over the last twenty five odd years uh in ministry, uh in a in a in a in a leadership position in ministry, not just in ministry, but in a leadership position in ministry over the last twenty five years or so. I have I have seen people of integrity count the money. And since I've been in the pastoral leadership, um, there have been times where I've had to assist in counting the money. But, uh, you know, there's been there are systems in place where I, you know, I got to touch the money if I don't want to. Also, those persons who are touching the money realize, you know, the value of their their work and the integrity that's required in their work, and they don't take the money. But it's sad when the pastor does that. And, and I've learned if I need something from my church, I just ask. I just ask. You know, if they have it, they have it. If they don't, oh, well. But I don't have to steal from the church. <laughs> and I, I, I can't understand how those who do so uh, manage to survive in ministry. I just can't understand it. I, I, I don't see the benefit of it, for one. I believe that, um, again, you know, if it's your ministry, it's your ministry. You're going to benefit from it. If you're the leader of it, you, you're going to benefit from it. You don't have to steal from yourself. <laughs> uh, but that's just me. And, and you know, and sad thing, because now churches have to take more precaution 
uh, I've, uh, I had a treasurer at a church I was pastoring at one time, and I had to, I had to tell that person, I said, uh, you know, when you're making deposits, don't go alone. You know, I don't want you going to be- to the bank by yourself. I don't want you, you know. And when I was when I was a restaurant manager, uh, I was charged when I had to make drops at the bank. You know, we had to make drops at a particular time. And when I had to make drops at the bank, I made sure that I had someone I, I could trust with me. And if I did go alone, you know, I made sure that uh, I was visible. Um, and, and, and you know, for security reasons, I, I I got robbed a couple of times at restaurants that I that I managed. It, it wasn't nice. It wasn't nice when you get robbed, <laughs> especially when you're too slow and you can't chase the when the the robber is faster than you. <laughs> but it's just sad that you know this is the way it started out already. You know, somebody is somebody is robbing the church already. And 2016 just started. That's that's a sad thing. But there's some other things. There's some other news too that um um I thought was pretty interesting. Um, Jaden Smith, and this has nothing to do with with church or anything. I just thought this was interesting. Jaden Smith, Will and Will and Jada Pinkett Smith's son. Uh, the actor, and you know, he and his sister Willow are there. Um, how can I describe them? They're peculiar at this. <laughs> uh, but he has decided that you know, uh, he will, or he will be the new face of Louis Vuitton's women wear. Yeah, you heard me right. Women, not. Not men, but women. He's modeling skirts and dresses. And uh, according to one report, uh, he and his sister believe that they are gender fluid. And I don't understand this term gender gender fluid. Uh, this is some new stuff, you know. Um, it, well, from my understanding, that means that they are they they can switch. Genders whenever they choose, they can choose to be male or female whenever they want to. You know, they just go with the flow. And I don't know what to make of that. I I, I really don't know what to make of that. So, but it's just interesting because you know, I I I know we want our children to be expressive and express themselves, and we don't want to restrict them or be repressive and all that. But I think that's a little bit too far. But hey, they're superstars and you know, he's a actor in his own right. He's a uh you know, he's done well for himself in his own right. So I, I suppose they feel that he can make his own decisions because, you know, of that, but uh, I don't know. It's this world is just getting stranger and stranger to me. And so I I just thought I'd share that with you. Because I just thought it's funny. I really don't. I don't understand it. But it is what it is. You know, some people are just going to uh, accept that and and go with it because it is. Hey, they're Smiths. They're the Smiths. They can do it. And then you'll have people emulating that. And the more they emulate, the the further it will go. And so it's culture. I watched a I watched a um I watched a documentary the other day called uh Fresh Dressed. Fresh Dressed. Uh, and it's basically a documentary of how hip hop influenced the way we dressed back in the late eighties and nineties and two thousand and how it spurred certain brands of clothing like um Car Kanai, Cross Colors. John John, Rock Aware, um, and what's the others? You know, they're, they're a plethora that came out of that era. And basically, uh, if go went back to the way, you know, uh to the day when when we were slaves, when when slaves had no choice in what they wore 
except on Sunday. They wore the best clothing on Sunday. And to stand out from others, you know, they were accent in certain accent their clothes in certain ways. And that fashion pattern uh continued, you know, as we we would take clothes that Massa had or uh those who had sharecroppers, you know, who were sharecroppers, the the owner of the land had and they would spruce them up and they wear them. And then if they were fortunate enough to buy to be able to buy something or or make something of their own, they made sure, you know, clothing of their own, they made sure that it was very, you know, it it was good looking. And that trend continued. And so we were always high fashion people of color, you know, people of color have always been high. Think about the zoot suits um, of the 40s and uh, uh, what they're now calling the slim fit suit. You know, we brought the, we helped usher in that trend as people and you know and then uh i think about the sagging clothes that really back with the cross colors when when the clothes when you know the pants and everything was baggy and saggy but they fit your waist so you weren't sagging just the clothes appeared to be sagging you know your, your pants were they weren't falling off your butt because you, you know the waist was fitting you it just you know everything else was overly accented and uh, you know I enjoyed that, and I, I had those moments. I wore those little rayon, wild colored suits back in the day when I was a teenage preacher. You know, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen year old preacher. I had fun with those colors, and by the time I got to college, that style was out. <laughs> and by the time I was able to really afford a suit, I got to understand the value of what I wore. So I, I basically stayed conservative. Every, and every now and then, you know, I do have a few suits that I had tailor-made for me, but those are conservative suits. You know, they're not flashy. They're just conservative. You know, they're basic. I, I was, I don't know where I'm getting on. Like I said, I'm big rambling. <laughs> but, you know, I was always basic. You know, your basic blacks, blues, grays, and browns. That's, that's where I stay. <laughs> I know, I know. If you're listening out there, just... Have mer- you know? Y- y'all just pray for me. Just, just pray for me. Um, let me uh, take a quick break while I get this stuff together, and I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna talk a little bit, uh, talk a little bit about some prophecies that people made. One in particular uh, from a uh, pastor in Africa who's uh, made a prophecy about Africa and the world, and review some things that supposedly were prophesied by um, Prophet Brian Carnes um, in 2015 that, well, didn't really happen. Uh, And talk about um, the guy everybody was talking about last year, at the end of the year. Uh, um, Now he slipped my mind. Uh, Taylor. Jesus. Um. Oh man, I can't think of his name right now. Just that quick. Uh, anyway, he, he he the face-to-face prophet who pray who who claimed that Jesus would jo- uh, join him on stage at the end of the year, and he ended up being exposed by way of a deposition. So we'll talk about that, and um, of course, I want to talk about Bill Clinton. I mean, not Bill, <laughs> Bill Cosby, and what's going on with him and the impact that we uh, that it has already had on the new year. So we'll talk about that and more when we get back uh, from this break. So we're gonna take a break. We'll be right back.
you smarter about insurance because what you don't know can hurt you. What if you didn't know that posting your travel plans online may attract burglars? Talk to Hawaii. What if you didn't know that as the price of gold rises, so should the coverage on your jewelry? Ah. What if you didn't know that kitty litter can help you out of a slippery situation? The more you know, the better you can plan for what's ahead. Talk to farmers and get smarter about your insurance. We are farmers. Bum, da, da, bum, 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 bum. When we made our commitment to the Gulf, BP had two big goals. Help the Gulf recover and learn from what happened so we could be a better, safer energy company. I've been with BP for 24 years. I was part of the team that helped deliver on our commitments to the Gulf, and I can tell you, safety is at the heart of everything we do. We've added cutting-edge safety equipment and technology, like a new deep water well cap and a state-of-the-art monitoring center where experts watch over all our drilling activity 24-7. And we're sharing what we've learned so we can all produce energy more safely. Safety is a vital part of BP's commitment to America and to the nearly 250,000 people who work with us here. We invest more in the U.S. than anywhere else in the world. Over $55 billion here in the last five years, making BP America's largest energy investor. Our commitment has never been stronger. In football, is it better to be more reliable or less reliable? If they can count on you, you can play. But if you can't, you're on a bench. Bench warm is what my dad says. Oh, does your dad play football? No, but he watches it on the couch. Oh, so he's a couch warmer. I thought it was funny. It's not complicated. More reliable is better. And AT&T is the nation's fastest and now most reliable 4G LTE network. How much money do you need to make each month? That's the first question we'll ask when you decide to start your own home business through IncomeAtHome.com. As a success coach, I'm here to guide people like Karen, who need to earn serious money from home. We were living payday to payday, and with four teenagers at home, we were worried. By the third month, I was banking more than $2,600. After only 18 months, I was consistently earning more than $7,000 a month. Now, it's a six-figure income, and I'm paying cash for college for four kids. We found our way out of rat race. Listen, this isn't selling soap or energy water to your friends. This is a real business bringing potential customers to your computer so you can earn money 24-7. Incomeathome.com is affiliated with a multi-billion dollar company and carries a triple A rating. So how much money do you need to earn each month from home? Visit Incomeathome.com right now for your chance to win $1,000. Welcome back to Zero Today. And then on your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and before we break, uh, went to the break, we talked. We said we'd be talking about some uh, things that happened in 2015 and things that people are talking about and prophesying for 2016. So let's, let's go uh, back. Brian Karn. Uh, Brian Karn um, started off the year 2015 last year. Uh, with a series of prophecies, and you can go to a YouTube video where Miss Justice, uh, who was part of the Church Folk Revolution, put up this video um, right before, or right before the New Year. Um, that kind of is a discourse of prophecies that uh, Brian Karn gave. Now, I have great respect for uh, uh, Brian Karn. I, I, you know, he's a great young man. Uh, but again, you know, it's, it's kind of about calling into accountability. Now this is a these are a series of prophecies that he said would happen. Um and it's a list of them that he said would happen that just did not come to pass at all. Uh the first one here um and you can 
you you can you can go to uh pimp preacher and you find the first one that he says is that um there was going to be there was going to be something wrong with pork that that uh pork would be making a lot of people sick or something like that and of course there was no major pork recall um unless you i don't know i think chipotle uses beef and not pork so i don't know but there was no major beef or i mean that major pork recall secondly he talked about george p bush and how george p bush would rise to power but uh um the not really anything about that either then he talked about some storms the major storms that was going to hit the east coast uh what else there's always fires in california you talked about fires in california you talked about uh uh, I, I think the closest thing that he got that may be considered as a fulfillment is where he talked about the homosexual agenda uh, would would be rampant. And, of course, you know, last year, last June, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in favor of same-sex marriage. Um, I'm not sure if that counts as the homosexual agenda. But then again, I'm not so sure what the homosexual agenda is because I don't know you know that's so broad now <laughs> it, it's too inclusive it's too inclusive uh, but there's several other uh, oh yeah um, he talked about the post health um, and that the post health may fail and uh, it's going to be a major scare of course that happened that was not reported and the Pope did make a very, 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 very uh, energetic uh, presence in the in the country when he gave it, when he visited and did his tour of New York, Philadelphia, and D.C. Um, it was very, very energetic. If he was ill, you know, that was that was not seen. Uh, talks about violence in um, some Asian countries and. Um, School shootings. Um, there were some school shootings, but again, that's become almost uh, normal. I hate to say. Um, uh, what else? Oh yeah, he said that there was there would be a major preacher that would have a uh, a stroke. That there would be the result. He would have the stroke because of his error, sin, something like that nature. Um, now, again, you know, what is the confine? What does it mean by a major preacher? Who would that be? Uh, Rod Parsley. Some consider him to be a major preacher. Uh, he didn't have a stroke, but he did announce that he had cancer. Um, um, Benny Hinn had health issues last year. Um, not a stroke, but health issues. Uh, so I, I, I basically said all of that to say that, and when you go to the video, you'll see. I mean, he's reading this. You know, this is not, this is not coming off the top of his head. He's actually written it. He took the time to write this down and present this before an audience. You know, a large audience. He's reading this. Is you know, this is going to be a done deal, uh, which. Which kind of takes away from credibility as a prophet, if all but discredits him altogether. And you know, I'm not a hater or anything like that. But again, we have to, you know, if we're going to do things like this, like make such a long list of predictions, then when they don't happen, we must be accountable and say, "Look, you're not a prophet. Uh, prophet don't miss." And then again, prophecy is so subjective because uh, I'm sure he really believed as he was writing this, writing this down, that you know he was hearing from the Lord. And I've been there. I have been there. I have done that. There have been times that I have said things with the utmost sincerity and the utmost belief that I was hearing from the Lord and was wrong. And I had to acknowledge that. I had to sat my behind now and shut my mouth. And it was not because I, I did not enjoy the moment of being silent. <laughs> uh, so the question is, 
as 2016 went on, I mean, 2015 went on, none of these things happened. Nobody called him in into uh, question or accountability. And, you know, as 2016 rolled in, there were a lot of prophecies going on. There, I, You ain't got to say there wasn't because you know there were. There were a lot of folk prophesying a lot of things over people's lives. And, of course, everybody want to be blessed. Everybody want to be prosperous. Everybody wants to be new year, new me, new you, all that stuff. Everybody wants, and I'm speaking very generally. I'm speaking very, I'm within the context of, you know, those, some Christians and certain particular uh, faith sets. They want to believe, they want to believe that every year they are entitled to something different, something new, something fresh, something uh <laughs> beyond what they had last year. And, and there's nothing wrong with expecting that. But what if it doesn't happen? Will you be crushed? Will you doubt God? Will you get mad at him? Will you leave the church? Or will you call and question the preacher who told that to you? Will you say to that preacher, pa- uh, preacher, you or pastor, you said this, this, and this, and it didn't happen. I believe you. Uh, so I just want to let you know that you were wrong. Will you do that? No. Most people won't. Most people will never, ever, 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 ever say preach you was wrong. I had one person did that to me, and um, and it crushed me because I didn't want to hear that I was wrong. I never forget. I call myself prophesying to a young man about. Um, now I was accurate on one thing. I was accurate on the fact that he was interested in music. He had started investigating how he could pursue uh, a music uh, career. Uh, but I told him, uh, you know, I, 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 that I didn't just settle with getting that part right. I had to go further and I had one part right and everything else was wrong. It didn't discount what I said that was accurate because what I said accurate, if I had stopped right there, the, you know, everybody went, you know, it was good. And I didn't say it in front of the microphone, you know, on the microphone in front of everybody. I just told him and, you know, I I had a second party confirm uh, what I had told him. Uh, well, a third party confirmed what I had told him that, you know, I, I did not speak to that person until that person. I, we were having a separate conversation in a separate air, you know, separate time. And that person shared with me, you know, and I was like, OK, good. That's great. Uh, but everything else didn't happen. I was crushed, and that person came to me, the one that I told, the young man that I told the prophets, you know, to, came to me and said, you know, you, had, you told me this, this, this would happen, and uh, this happened, but the other stuff did, man. But, and, you know, man, but I'm just glad that you were able to hear from him. But even in, even when he was saying that, I was like, man, I was crushed because I didn't want to hear I was wrong. Um, and, and, and I'm not, again, I'm not hating on Ryan Carr or anything like that. Um, but again, uh, like what uh, Miss Justice does on Pimp Preacher, and other persons do it. Um, she's not the only one. She just happened to have uh, put the video on her YouTube page, and I just happened to see it, as well as she listed, uh, you know, she she itemized what he said on the um, Church Folk Revolution page. So I mean, that's the only reason most of us are familiar with, and. The intent is noble. It's always noble when we do things like that. We always have a noble intent. We want to believe that we are hearing from God accurately when sometimes it's just our vain imagination. Which brings me to David Taylor, David E. Taylor. That's the preacher. I couldn't remember (laughs) the name before I went to break. Uh, the, The man who sees Jesus face to face, the man who is supposedly Jesus's best friend, the one who, who is the only person able to help you see Jesus face to face, only in his meetings, only in his meetings. You can't see Jesus face to face on your own because he is the only one that Jesus has designated and anointed to be able to help you see Jesus. So uh, we announced, we, we, we not announced, but we, <laughs> we talked about on um right before we went to the holiday break, uh, that he was planning to have this event December 29th through the 1st. 
January 1st, uh, one night with the king, and he had been advertising it on his webpage and YouTube and all of that stuff and how um, throughout the year 2015, Jesus was making personal appearances at his meetings stage in it, and it was proven because somebody took a picture and they saw Jesus or what they claimed to be Jesus. They saw him on the stage with David Taylor. So it had to be real. Only problem was, you know, this was an amateur person and this meeting was being filmed by a professional studio crew. So all the high tech equipment that his ministry, his media ministry had did not capture Jesus at all. Matter of fact, the moment that Jesus was on stage, nobody saw him because they had a close-up of him telling people that Jesus is here and telling him to get off the stage. But anyway, so that's what happened. And, and, and um, so as a result of his egoism and such, he failed to mention how one of his supporters – uh, was not supposed to be supporting him by court order, and yet they did. And because they chose to give him money and help him establish wealth, they were in trouble financially with the IRS. And because of their financial uh, troubles, they had to go to court because it was a divorce hearing. And and uh, because he was involved as a third party, he was called in to deposition. And in that deposition, oh, was there so much uncovered. And I'm sure many of you listeners, if you haven't, you should go see it. Uh, it's all over YouTube, but you can go to my um, YouTube page. You can go to um guy's name, Jay. I'm just, or you could just, uh, you can just Google some stuff. Go to old, uh, old black church. The old black church, I know they have it there. You can go to um, and just Google uh, David Taylor deposition. You'll find it. Uh, all kinds of stuff. You'll find it. Anyway, so in this deposition, not only does he give away how little he knows about his own ministry, but he also gives away how uh, how um, – Unaccountable he is to his followers and his supporters. First, he he does not know his own people. He claim on his tax on his taxes. Secondly, yeah, he was claiming folks, and then when the names were recalled, he like I don't know who that is. Secondly, I've never heard a leader of a ministry know so little about his own ministry. He didn't even know who his board members were. Or how many were on his board? And he was this one person named Michelle. He kept referring to Michelle. Michelle does this. Michelle does that. I don't know, but you can ask Michelle. Uh, and I was feeling bad for Michelle. Whoever Michelle is, I I feel bad for you. <laughs> uh, your your leader, your boss, has no idea about anything, and shift all the blame for everything to you. I don't think I would be working for a person like that. He didn't even know his own ministry address. He called his house a residency center and refused to say that's where he lived. No, he didn't live there, even though it's $2.8 million. He didn't live there. It's just for his guests. He spent thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars frivolously on clothes, on belts that he said looked good on television, on Outfits, because, you know, they're not suits, they're outfits, and that he had to shop at Versace and Louis Vuitton and places like that, because Macy's, they don't make suits that he wear. They don't make the stuff that he wears. And the stuff that he wears looks good on television. And he only makes about $28,000 a year, but he's able to do all that. Has a... His his ministry paid fifty thousand dollars to stretch to uh, take a Mercedes and make it into a, a stretch Mercedes limousine, 
And then he had to he really got back and said he said, oh, this is not the first one. We've had one before. I'm like, wow, fifty thousand dollars for a for a um a stretched limousine. Not only that, but you know, he talked about he has three luxury vehicles, uh, but he doesn't drive them. He only hi- he has a driver, but he doesn't drive them, and those are only for his guests, not for him personally. His residence center, residential center, the house that's two point eight million dollars, um, he does not live there. That's for his guests because they are being hospital- hospitable. They don't want their guests, for his high profile guests, to um, to stay in you know low budget hotels. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, there has not been uh, there's been a lot of backlash about this guy, uh, but it just brings to light a lot of other clergy like him, other preachers like him, or trying to be like him, you know, with this high high uh, lifestyle, rich and famous lifestyle, and I I do understand it, I really do, I really do understand it, but you know. Would I pursue it? No. Why? Because I don't see the purpose. You know, we're we're told that you know we're not supposed to have much in this world anyway. You know, what what good is it to gain the whole world, lose your soul? Um, or better yet, you know, if we're serving man, manna, mammon, or God, riches, my God, you know, and there are plenty others that we can get into, but. So, so he's facing some clapback from that, and people still showed up at his meeting. Now, I have yet to. I'm waiting to see if Jesus, if there's any video that he would be real willing to release from that meeting, if anybody showed up. You know, I'm sure it probably wasn't a large crowd now, because he released a rebuttal video. People were trying to attack him, and you know, that was just snippets. It was, you know, it's not the whole thing, not the whole context, but it was his his own mouth giving him him his own trouble. So it is what it is. Um, which leads me into uh, 2016. J.B. T.B. Joshua. T.B. Joshua is a pastor and and a a prophet out of uh, Africa. He's he's out of. Um, what uh, I want to say, Nigeria. Uh, yeah, I believe he is out of Nigeria, and he has issued some prophecies. Continent of Africa that I thought was interesting. He he prophesied that uh, Africa was in for something very, very devastating, similar, and he went on to say that Africa should. Uh, refer to the time of Joseph, uh, the prophecy of Joseph, where it be seven years of famine and seven years of uh, of uh, abundance. And during the seven years of abundance, you need to take up and prepare for the seven years of uh, uh, seven years of famine. And so he's saying, he's saying that the the new year would bring about several, several um, issues for uh, the country of the continent of Africa, particularly Southern Africa. Listen to what he says here, and I got this from a website, uh, Moravia Post of Southern Africa, so you can go visit that. But uh, Nigerian prophet T.B. Joshua gave a series of predictions for Southern Africa on his return to the pulpit following an eight-month absence. And I don't know why he was absent. I have to check into that. But anyway, he says that uh, South African African currency uh, will be established and the country's major challenges lay in its agricultural sector. Uh, there will be little rain at the wrong time, which is not good for farming. And many farmers will be discouraged, calling on the government to build dams 
and irrigation mechanisms using available water from the sea. He went on to say that the health care and power will be affected by these challenges. The government uh, um, should not be trying to surrender to foreign industries, uh, foreign countries, that they, uh, if they do so, uh, no, wait a minute, see. the challenges will actually strengthen the nations for the future. And he says the ending of February to April are very peculiar months, um, and that they should be praying for the leaders. Uh, he also said uh, he warned about violence brewing in North Korea, saying that a minority party would rise to relevance in Nigeria, and that the football association, South African Football Association, uh, no, I'm sorry, I would read that long. Uh, oh, this is why. Um, no, never mind, never mind. This is the pastor who, um, in 2014, had a building collapse and hundreds of people died. And so that's pretty much why he went into obscurity, uh, because that happened in 2014. And um, he was receiving a lot of criticism uh, for that event and how little he showed. Uh, matter of fact, he acted as if he didn't even care for those who, who, who lost their lives. So TB Joshua now is immersing from that, and I guess he's attempting to reestablish himself as a prophet by putting out these prophecies. Now, because these were related to to the Southern African uh, countries, I'm not sure if it's not specific as if it's just South Africa or the entire Southern region of Africa around the Cape. And all of that, that remains to be seen. And because those stories, if that does happen, are, are it'd probably be hard to see if that would be true or not. Because, again, a lot of those stories, if it is a famine, probably won't be reported here in the States as much as they would probably be reported in, uh, in the BBC and areas like that. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. What will it be? Will it be that kind of famine and you know if you like me you always picture some parts of of lower africa sub-saharan africa and some parts in the ivory coast and southern in the southern africa yeah you you picture poverty because there there is there you know we have our churches are in those areas and so i'm sure we would know uh, if that does happen because our global uh our uh, global commission and our churches there our episcopal districts will report such if it is the case but we have yet to see that uh so uh, this is interesting and of course because this is a presidential election year there's also kind of craziness going on with these folk who are claiming certain things about prophecy you know uh, uh you know some are trying to say that president Obama is going to usurp his authority and try to stay in office. There are some who are claiming that uh, Donald Trump won't win, but it's going to be, you know, a, a massive takeover of power. Uh, it, it's always something crazy. But my my thing is, what is it for the church? Will there be an, an uncovering more in the church? Will we see more? Of the unpleasantries we had to deal with in 2015, where we see more pastors falling, not not just a scandal, but would it be a falling away from the faith? Really, that's that's what I'm questioning because uh, uh, we got a lot of preachers who don't believe what they preach, and this is some prominent and some not so prominent. Will that will that happen? Will they come out and say, "I really don't believe," or "I don't believe what I used to believe"? You know, like what Cardin Pilson did. Will they will they pull Will they put one of his his things? Will, will it be like that? What will it look like? 
But what should we expect? Uh, last year, you know, <laughs> there were people talking about in July and September the rapture would happen and all kinds of massive things would happen, and it didn't. Uh, I'm wondering, will they re- have they recalculated and say stuff like that would happen again this year? Um, it's a lot of stuff. It's always the same things, you know. It's always the same thing. But the question is, will be will there be a un, an uncovering or will there be a renouncing of the hidden things? That's what I want to know. Will it be an uncovering? Will 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 we see more of the dark side of the church come out? I mean, because uh, Church Folk Revolution unveiled a lot of sexual morality with pedophilia and um, you know all kinds of stuff in the church that we don't talk about. There's, there's more preachers doing that than, <laughs> Lord, I care to admit. But would there be a renouncing of the hidden thing? Would more preachers try to be as transparent and come forth and uh, like Bishop Bloomer did on his broadcast not long ago, a couple, you know, last year. It was kind of weird with how he did it, but in a way, he kind of repented for whatever it was he was repenting for. I don't know. It was kind of weird, but he did repent on public on it, on his television. You know, maybe it led others. Maybe others would do the same. Um, I I don't know. I I'm hoping for a greater sense of transparency with preachers. I'm hoping that the church will come to grips with the reality of our contemporary stage. Our present age is in dire straits. It really is. And we have already been equipped on how to how to handle it. The the problem is we're not doing it. We're not utilizing the very power, the very anointing, the very thing the calling that has, the vocation that has empowered, uh, has kept this thing afloat for centuries. We're no longer using it. We're relying on our intellect. We're relying on our personality. We're relying on our charisma and our gimmicks. And people are tired of that. And there's a great falling away that will happen if we do not bring it in. If we don't reel it in, there's going to be a great falling away. And I'm not talking about people uh, become an atheist. No, I'm talking about uh, not just people becoming atheists, but uh, the great falling away in that the uncovering of sin will bring about, I don't want to say God's judgment, but the reality and unfortunate uh, stat- state of being, whatever that means. <laughs> it could mean a lot of things. Listen, I'm excited and, and I'm coming to the close. You just heard that. <laughs> uh, on next weekend, uh, January the 15th and the 16th, uh, I want those of you who are in the Atlanta area, if you're listening, join me uh, for the Black Nonbelievers' 5th Anniversary Celebration. Uh, um, now, you don't have to be a nonbeliever to come see me. <laughs> but if you're questioning the faith, if you, you have questions, you have doubts, encourage you to be there. They'll be at the uh, uh, Holiday Inn in Atlanta. I've forgotten which one. But you can go to Black Nonbelievers. Mandisa Thomas is the president and founder, and she has put together a wonderful symposium of speakers that I'm honored to be a part of. So if you're not doing anything, come on out there. And also join in the tunas every week at 11 o'clock here on Zero Today on Wednesdays. We'll have great topics, great uh, great guests coming up. So we, we got a lot planned. So we're looking forward to going forth into 2016, ready to empower you to impact in the world around you. Until then, you know, we're going to be here. So you know how to get in touch with me. I didn't tell you about my information, but we're on, squat, we're, we're on Twitter at Prophesize Zero Radio. We're on Facebook, Zero Network. Today. We're all over the place. And, you know, just get with us until then. So here's Pastor Neil. I'm out until next week. God bless you. God keep you.